I'm Elizabeth Ray and welcome to my podcast, Authentic Elizabeth. We will discuss all things mental health, including eating disorders, trauma, EMDR therapy, and intuitive eating. Thanks for listening. There are different types of communication, and some of those include passive, aggressive, and assertive. Assertive is the type of communication that we are all kind of working towards, or at least I hope we are. And that's really the best and most efficient way to express your feelings and thoughts and even expressing your wants while not being too aggressive or passive. So what do each of these types of communication look like? Well, let's start with passive communication. This is when a person puts others' feelings, needs, wants ahead of their own. They really struggle to express what their own needs or wants are, sometimes not even knowing what they are, or feeling worthy of expressing what those are. And this often can come at the person's own expense. And when you think about it, if you're very passive about what your needs or wants are, resentment can build and other feelings can build um, because we don't say no and because we aren't kind of standing up for ourselves. So, and I also want to say that if we aren't standing up for ourselves, then others, A, aren't going to hold that boundary because we don't have one, and B, don't even necessarily know that we have an opinion on something. Generally, passive communication has the following characteristics, and it obviously is going to vary from person to person and situation, but these can be some of the characteristics. Soft-spoken, lack of confidence, um, looks down or away, or struggles with eye contact. Others take advantage of this person. Others' needs come before their own. And then the next one that we want to talk about is aggressive communication. So aggressive communication is when only the person's own needs are considered or important or appear to matter. And the other person's needs are completely ignored. um, And they can often feel bullied or pressured into doing what this aggressive communicator wants. Um, And some of the characteristics of aggressive communication can include some of the following. A lack of compromise, a lack of respect for others, interrupting or not listening at all, loud or overbearing manner of speaking. So let's talk about... Assertive communication. Again, this is the one that hopefully we are striving for in our lives and in our relationships. This is when both persons' needs are important and considered. A person stands up for themselves, expressing their needs and wants, and listens to and is respectful of others. So some of those characteristics of assertive Um, communication can include able to make good eye contact, able to stand up for one's own rights, ability to allow others to speak without interruption, ability to compromise. So let's just talk about what this scenario might look like. So let's say that we're 
trying to figure out which which communication is which. And and obviously, I just want to pause here for a minute and say that if it's passive aggressive, it would be a combination of the first two that we talked about. So sometimes it could look one way and sometimes another, uh, or it could be a mixture of both of those. I think that's something we see a lot. So here's what a scenario might look like for each of these different categories that we talked about. So your friend calls and needs to talk, but you are busy when the friend calls. So a passive response could look something like this. I guess I can talk. How can I help you? What do you need? An aggressive response could look like this. I can't talk to you now. I can't believe you didn't know I was busy. And an assertive response could look something like this. I need to do something right at this moment. Can I call you back in an hour and then we can talk? So hopefully you can see the difference between those three and can relate that to the different um, characteristics that we talked about for each of these. When you're just starting to learn to communicate and really kind of learn these different skills, some of the things can seem a little funny or um, I don't know how to explain that, but sometimes when you're first starting, say, to use reflective listening or I statements, it can feel very unnatural um, and kind of strange. And so we're just going to talk about a little bit about what that might look like. And we'll do that a little later on. Right now, I'd kind of like to talk about, so you're going to have a discussion with somebody or a communication. And sometimes people have, you know, fair fighting rules. And so um, some of this that I am using, I got from Therapist Aid. There's many, many articles and things on the internet that also discuss this. Um, so it's not just from here, but I did did get some of my information directly from their site. So I want to give them credit. And so here are some of the fair fighting rules that they have outlined. So before you begin, ask yourself why you feel upset. Um, and just a little bit on that one. So like, are you angry because your partner left the mustard on the counter? Are you upset because you feel like you're doing an inventory of the housework. So lots of times if we have issues that we haven't talked about, we can feel very angry and often it's not about what's going on in that moment. And that can be really confusing to our partner or to our friend or significant other. If you're going to have this discussion or fight, um, discuss one issue at a time. It easily can get sidetracked where we remember everything that we ever were, were upset about and really lose focus of what is going on in that moment. No degrading language. I think that's great. Sometimes um, we can use language that's very hurtful towards one another. And really, it's hard to take that back. It's out there once we've said it. Express your feelings with words and take responsibility for them. And that's kind of the I statements that I was talking about. We'll come back to that a little bit more. Take turns talking. I know that that's tough. Often we want to be heard, and if somebody's saying something we don't agree with, it is easy to immediately start firing back. And in that moment, nobody's listening to each other, so really nobody's being heard, and that's really what everybody wants is to be heard. No stonewalling, no yelling. Take a time out if things get too heated. This is one that uh, I recommend a lot. I have found that sometimes in the moment, we're just too upset, we're too activated, we're too hurt, we're too angry, whatever that might be. 
And so sometimes you can just say, I need a moment or I need a few moments. And for some people that's going on a walk. For some people it's going in a room for five minutes by themselves, whatever that looks like. For some people they need a little longer. But the key thing and the really important element of this is that you do come back together and do discuss it. Just pretending that the argument never happened or that acting like uh, pushing it under the rug and not addressing it just continues to build and build. It's really, really important to always come back. Maybe when things are a little bit cooled down between you or you're less activated and discuss this. Um, really, really an important part of communication and any relationship. And the last thing that they have here is to attempt to come to a compromise or an understanding. So sometimes you're not going to agree. And so sometimes you just agree to disagree. And really that's okay too. That's respecting that on this subject, you're probably not going to agree. But we can still love and care for each other even if we don't agree upon every single incident and issues. So what is reflective listening? This is one that can really feel kind of uncomfortable and awkward when you first start using it. But I can also um, verify that once you start using it, it really allows the other person to know that you heard them, that you're listening to them, and they can also correct you that maybe you heard them incorrectly. Um, And that's important too, because that means that you're actually hearing what they were saying and not what we think they were saying. So what might that look like? Let's just say that, you know, somebody says something and if we're looking immediately for a response, often we're not listening to what the other person is saying. If our response is what we're focused on, right, then we're not fully listening to what this person is saying. So if this person is saying this happened and this happened and this happened and we're looking for our response or no, that's not how it went, we're not listening. So um, reflective listening would be kind of repeating back some of what they said. Oh, okay. So what you're saying is that this happened or you're saying that you felt this way in that situation. And so they'll say, yeah, that's exactly what happened. Or actually, no, that is not what I was saying. This is what I was saying. And if you can really listen, that kind of takes the moment to not respond And it gives both of you a chance to clarify what actually is being said. Because sometimes we can hear things and view things from our own lens and from our own experiences. And so it's really important to know that we are not doing that in that moment, but actually hearing what they are trying to convey to us. So a couple things to remember. Our tone of voice is really important. You know, you can say all the right things, but if your tone is off or your body language is off, it's really hard to maybe be fully engaged if you don't feel like the person means what they're saying. Just really, really um, important. Um, Try to reflect emotions. Um, And what this means is, even if they clearly didn't describe them, you may be able to pick up on how they're feeling by their tone or the voice or body language. Um, I would use some caution there. I would, you know, say, are you saying that you're feeling this way or something like that so that you're not putting your interpretation upon them. So it sounds like you're feeling this way. 
Um, so I would use a little caution around that, but it really is important for people to express how they're feeling and to listen to what they're saying around how they're feeling. How would you go about reflecting back? You might want to mix up how you're saying it. You might want to say, so what I hear you saying is, or I, it sounds like you're saying that you feel this way. Are you telling me that this, this is what happened? Um, it just is a really good way to show that you're listening and to clear things up and clarify things if need be. Um, and you're really not looking at the little details. You're looking at the main point. Often, the main point is how the person felt in that moment, not all the details about the event. Um, and I statements. So what are I statements? So when you're having a discussion or an argument or a disagreement, if somebody is saying you, 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 you feel very blamed and defensive or can. And in those moments, um, whether the person is right or wrong, doesn't really matter. It's just that you're going to become very defensive often, right? And at that point, you've pretty much already kind of lost each other and are not connecting and talking. So I statements are a really great way to avoid this blaming and to maybe um, cut down on some of the defensiveness that can occur if it's a really uh, sensitive and, and tender um, discussion. It has a way to take responsibility for your own feelings and your own opinions um, rather than uh, focusing on somebody else's. So like, and a couple of examples of that would be, you know, if you get upset because somebody comes home from work and you feel like they always come home from work and you just say, hey, I can't believe you came home late. You're always coming home late. I had dinner ready and now it's cold. How different would that sound if, if it came across as something along these lines? I really worry when you come home late, especially if you haven't called me. I really would love if you could just let me know that you're okay so I don't worry so much. I feel like that feels very different than the first scenario. And I statements take a little bit of practice too. I think as humans we have a tendency to immediately go to blaming. It's kind of just our lingo. And so much of this is stuff that we're not taught. We're not really taught how to effectively communicate with one another and what works and what doesn't. And so, you know, this might vary from relationship to relationship. It might be a little different with your friends than it is with your parents or with your family or your siblings. Maybe very different um, communicating with your partner or your spouse. I would just really encourage to work past the uncomfortableness of talking about this. I, I just can't state enough how important that is. I mean, a personal experience would be for my husband and I, when I uh, first was learning about all this and we were working on our own communication, um, he had a tendency to want to fix things. That's just kind of his nature. And in that, I sometimes felt like I wasn't being listened to. Um, and he was just trying to take away my pain or my discomfort, which I totally get. And I sometimes just wanted somebody to say, oh my gosh, that really is, uh, that sucks for you. That's miserable. Sorry to hear that, whatever that looks like. And so we kind of, when we're first starting all this and navigating our own journey, um, he started asking, okay, when I would, sh when I would share something, he'd say, okay, do you want me to listen 
Or are you looking for a response? Do you want me to try to fix it? And actually, that worked for us. As strange as that might sound, that worked pretty well for us. And then I could say, hey, I, I just really need you to listen right now. And he would do that. And, and what a difference it made in our communication style. And there were times when I'm like, yeah, I, I'm looking for some feedback and some input. I really am at a loss as to what to do here. And that doesn't mean that he didn't listen or validate or pay attention to what I'm saying. But it also kind of just opened up that, yeah, in this moment, I am open to feedback. I would really love to hear what your feedback is. Um, and that worked really well for us. And the other thing I want to come back to is this, if you need to step away, if you need to have a code word in the middle of an argument, if you feel like it's getting out of control, I would highly recommend this. I know that in the work that I do, uh, teach some family groups, things of that nature. And I was teaching a group once and while well, we were having a discussion really um, about communication and a parent was having concerns about um, a teenager and them not wanting to have a discussion in the moment and then being so upset. And I ventured to say that I think it's perfectly okay to say, hey, I need a little space. I'd like to come back to this. Can we come back in a half hour, an hour, or whatever that looks like? It's going to be different from situation and, and families. And then you come back and talk about it. And I just remember this mother being really put off by that and just kind of looking at me incredulously like, well, what do you mean? You, you can't do that. And I said, well, absolutely you can, because at that point, you're probably going to be a little calmer, a little more rational and able to discuss it, maybe with not getting quite so upset and feeling quite so hurt by what the other one is saying and be able to listen. So again, I'm just going to go on record as saying that I think that that's a very effective tool and I highly recommend it. Another story or experience, um, uh, teaching a class once and talking about communication. And I remember uh, talking about these different types of things and, and the importance of them. And one of the one of the people responded and said, you mean yelling and just kind of screaming and talking to each other that way isn't what everybody does in every household. And I said, actually, no, I mean, I know some people communicate that way. But a, it doesn't have to be that way. And b, it's really not the most effective way to be heard, or to feel listened to. And I would try some of these things and see what happens, you might find that your whole look on communicating with people changes. And I just remember how surprised this person was that this wasn't necessarily um, what every household looked like in the way that they communicate and that it could be different. And I think for me at that point, I was a little surprised on my end that that there was this idea that that's how everybody communicated. Um, and I think that also makes sense though, right? Because what we know or see in our home growing up or in our families is kind of the norm, so to speak. And so how would we know that it could be anything different unless we are taught that or we've observed it somewhere else? So thank you so much for joining me today. I just, communication is such a key component of what I do and at the core of relationships. And so I just hope that you will maybe take some of these things that I talked about today and see how you can use them in your own lives, in your own relationships. Not only is it going to help you, 
especially if you're working towards assertive and you maybe have passive, you can start expressing your needs and wants and realizing that those are just as important as somebody else's and that saying no is okay and that you don't always have to put other people first. It's so important to have some equality in a relationship. Thanks for joining me on Authentic Elizabeth. My website is elizabeththerapy.com. And remember that together we can do hard things one step and one day at a time. Thank you so much.